know. The Ten Commandments are found in Exodus 20 in a revised version, if you will, in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Exodus 20 and verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. This begins the second table of the law, summarized by the second greatest commandment. Jesus said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That quotation of Leviticus 19 is sometimes um, teamed with a few of the last six commandments, including the fifth commandment, to honor our fathers and our mothers. The first four commandments are summarized by the greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. We're talking about the vertical, our relationship with God. And the last six, loving our neighbor as ourselves, as horizontal. And so, obviously the first, uh, the priority is to love the Lord. And if we love the Lord as we ought, we will love our neighbor as we ought. And the question comes, how do we love the Lord? How do we love our neighbor? Well, that's what's contained in the Ten Commandments precepts and prohibitions. It's not a show of love for our neighbor if we murder them or slander them or steal from them or covet what they have. We love the Lord if we love only the Lord and not other gods. And If we love Him, uh, we will worship Him as He commands in spirit and in truth, the second commandment. We will love Him uh, by... Honoring His name, His attributes, His works, His words. The third commandment, we will keep His day holy. It's an evidence of our love for Him if we keep the Sabbath day holy, the fourth commandment. And in the heart of the commandments, we've noted that we have the family. The fourth commandment is especially addressed to leaders to facilitate the keeping of the Sabbath and also obviously the previous three commandments, to facilitate obedience and love for the Lord among those that are following us. The fifth commandment is specifically addressed to followers, children. And we'll see to various followers to facilitate the leadership of our parents and to, uh, to love the Lord by honoring our neighbors. Notice again, it starts in the home. And it starts with our submission to leadership. Children, uh, we're told in the New Testament, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Then it goes on to say, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it might be well with you and that you might live long upon the earth. So, uh, The honoring, as far as children in the home is concerned, includes obedience to uh, their father and their mother, as well as the honoring from the heart. So this is 
dealing with our relationship with man. And last week, we noted that our natural parents are our neighbors. They're included among what are known as neighbors. Love our neighbor. A neighbor is one who's nearby. Not necessarily the one that just lives next door. But our neighbor is, yes, our parents, our siblings in the home, our neighbors next door. But our neighbor is also the person in line next to us in the store. Someone that's in the elevator with us. Someone that's uh, driving alongside us on the highway. Uh, our neighbor is, is uh, various. Jesus, you remember, spoke about uh, who was a neighbor to, the, to the, uh, the person that was robbed. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan, that he was a neighbor to the one that he came into contact with. So the Lord is saying, not just someone that you know, someone that lives next door, but someone that the Lord puts in your path to, be, to represent God and His love and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And again, the fifth commandment begins the following five after that one. So it's foundational in its nature. If we honor leaders... It will help us to not kill people, whether with a weapon or with our tongues. It will help us to appreciate the purity of people, number seven. The, the uh, possessions of people, number eight. The, the uh, integrity of people, trustworthiness, number nine. And just uh, the, the, the providential lot of people. Number 10, we'll be content with our state and not covet another one's estate. So it's the first of the horizontal commandments, our relationship with our fellow man, and in particular, obviously, our natural parents. But there are fathers and mothers of various kinds, the Bible teaches us, and I want us to focus there not just on the natural parents that we focused upon last night. Yes, there are natural fathers and mothers, and that's what it's particularly focused on. But if you factor in all the portions of the Bible, you see that these commandments are in categories, um, that they're not limited only to, for instance, natural parents, number five. There are other kinds of fathers and mothers that should be honored and should be obeyed. And I'm not obviously going to be exhaustive. You may find other, other uh, uh, kinds of fathers and mothers, but natural, firstly, Adam and Eve, so on, your dad and your mom. There are spiritual fathers. For instance, Paul spoke about uh, some that were begotten by him in the Gospel. Um, you remember Elisha, when his mentor Elijah... Uh, was raptured into heaven, he said, My father, my father. And so, Elijah was a spiritual father to Elisha. And even when it says, for instance, when the patriarchs and saints in the Old Testament 
Um, it says when they died, they slept with their fathers. In other words, their, their spiritual fathers, not just their natural fathers. And then there are domestic, we might say, domestic fathers, our masters. So the, the, the text that we read today from First uh, Peter, and it's also found in, in uh, Ephesians and Colossians, that servants are to obey their masters, or we're to honor our masters, our they would be called employers, an employer-employee relationship. Just like the fourth commandment is addressed to leaders, it would be addressed to various kinds of leaders, not just to parents, but employers should facilitate the keeping of the Sabbath to their employees and so on. So we have domestic fathers and mothers, like employers. And so the commands to servants to be obedient to their masters is uh, under the fifth commandment. As well as other commandments. For instance, not to steal from them or lie to them. Then a fourth category would be what's called ancient fathers. The Bible says we're to rise up to the hoary head. We're to honor those that are older. If you are in a place where the seats are full and no one, there's no room and, and an older person walks in the room or in the, in the place where a concert might be happening, then someone is to defer that seat, a younger person, to the, to the gray head. And even the Bible tells us, for instance, in the church, Paul said to Timothy, and treat an elderly person as a father. So he says that treat the elderly, the hoary head in the church, as an ancient father. How often do you find where older people have their doors open for them as, as uh, people are going into a store? Those days are almost gone. Then we have political fathers. For instance, Isaiah says, Kings shall be your nourishing fathers. Joseph was a father to Pharaoh. He was a counselor to Pharaoh, we're told in Genesis 45. Deborah was called a mother in Israel. So you have a, a, a political mother. You have educational fathers. Proverbs says, uh, listen to the instruction of a father and a mother and perhaps... Solomon is referring to a natural in particular, but yet it's applicable to those who are instructing us where parents will, de will uh, defer some teaching to a, an educational father or mother and they're to show children are to show respect and to be obedient as long as the commands are not contradictory to God's Word. Then you might have legal fathers like judges and police officers and prison guards. They're all in, in leadership positions. They're all fathers and mothers, if you will. And there are other categories that you might add to that. But they're foundational to loving our neighbors. The first commandment of the final six. And so we find that the first four 
promote holiness and the last six then promote goodness, if you will. And goodness follows holiness. And so, if we honor authorities, we'll be more apt to respect people's lives, number six. To respect their purity, number seven. To respect respect their property, number eight. To respect their honesty and integrity and truthfulness, number nine. And to respect their providential situation and their blessings under God, number ten. Just like God gave us who we were born to, God is the one who gives us our spiritual, political, ancient, educational, and other kinds of fathers and mothers. Do we believe in the sovereignty of God? Are you not where you're laboring if you have an employer? Are you not in the will of God in that business? Well, then, is it not God's sovereignty that has placed someone over you as a father? We read together in 1 Peter. You'll find it in other places like Romans 13. We're to honor to whom honor is due. And those that are in authority over us, the Lord says, honor is due. Again, the heart of the matter is to love them. Not just to be a robotic person honoring or obeying out of just mere duty. But the Bible says, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. So let me ask us a question. Do we love President Biden? We pray for his soul. And the Bible says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if you are a father and a mother, whatever whether a parent, a teacher, an employer, a senior, a governor, a Sabbath school teacher, a a baseball coach, an elder in a church, do you not desire that others might honor you and facilitate your job? We certainly want to do as we would have others do unto us if we were in their position. And again, it comes down to honor that we give weight to them. Yes, we, if it's not the character of the person that is honorable, we give weight to the office. We respect the office. We say that much to a, a, a wicked person that is in authority. Remember when, when Paul said, and when Peter said, to honor the king, there were wicked Caesars in their day, like Nero who used Christians as light posts to, to light, lighten Rome. Who put people's heads on posts around the city. And yet he said, honor the king. Ascribe weight to them. Now, obviously those that have a godly character, we... We, they're bigger in our eyes. It's, they're a wor- the world to us. But our parents, many of us had parents that were not saved or are not saved. And we honor them. We should honor them as our fathers and mothers. We're burdened for them to be saved if they're lost. And though they've had good jobs and they've been good parents, 
worldly speaking and they've had uh, good health and many friends. Our hearts are burdened for their souls. Just like as parents to our children or as employers to our employees. Thank God for Christian fathers and mothers of various kinds. Many of us did not have Christian fathers and mothers of various kinds. Many of us had unsaved employers. They need Christ. And they need us to be examples, to point them to the Savior. We don't want to be those that they condemn for being lazy or as slanderers or disrespectful. We're to shine as lights in the world. and You expect out in the world murmuring and arguing. And Paul says to the Philippians, do all things without grumbling and without arguing that you might be lights in this dark world. So, we acknowledge the providence of God that whoever is a father and mother to us is, is uh, of God. Remember, Daniel said that God is the one who removes and sets up kings. In chapter 4, Daniel says, well, this is actually Nebuchadnezzar, I believe, speaking. He gives authority to whomsoever he will. Remember, it was to Nebuchadnezzar, who was a wicked king at that time, that Daniel said, O king, live forever. Show that, see the respect that Daniel gave to the king. Nebuchadnezzar, who was an arrogant, ruthless leader. He respected the office. And you know, as far as we can tell, God used Daniel in his ministry to point Nebuchadnezzar to Christ. That not always it's not always going to happen. But Nebuchadnezzar could not say that Daniel was disrespectful or that he wasn't reflecting the fact that there's a God in heaven. Remember in Proverbs this is by me kings reign. That's personification of wisdom. Titus says, Obey magistrates, be ready to every good work. First Peter again, Submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Honor the king. He also says, Servants be subject not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Yes, it disturbs us greatly that this present administration is a, encourages the culture of death. But yet, they're under God, our authorities. And we need to pray for their souls and for the Lord to deal with them. One day, they're going to stand before God for any unrighteousness. For it says in the Old Testament that they that rule over men must rule um, justly in the fear of God. They're going to give account. The Bible tells us that it's a sin for us to despise government, 2 Peter 2.10. It, it was characteristic of, of the wicked that they spoke evil of dignitaries and they despised the dominion. Paul speaks of, of the vice that will characterize the, the uh, late generations disobedient to parents. Jesus was reviled by wicked people and yet He did not return that revile. He suffered, and yet He didn't threaten His, 
his uh, ruthless, cruel authorities like the centurions and the soldiers and the Pharisees and Sadducees and the high priests. When the high priest said, I put you under oath to tell me whether you are the Son of God. Jesus didn't say, well, you're a wicked high priest and you're not worthy of the office and you're not worthy of me answering you. No, He said, I am. He answered the wicked high priest's authority to put Him under oath to say whether He were the Son of God. The Lord holds us accountable, brother and sister. Let's keep that in mind. He holds us accountable. Yes, He holds leaders accountable whether they're righteous or wicked, whether they command righteousness or not. But He holds us accountable if we're not respectful. Remember, Ham was the one held accountable, though Noah had sinned and gotten drunk and and allowed himself to be naked in his tent. But God held Ham accountable and his descendants. Oh, Noah, no doubt, was rebuked and was ashamed of what he had done. But the Bible rebukes Ham for his disrespect and his mockery of his father. You see, every one of us is going to give account of ourselves to God. We're not, going to have, we're not going to be able to say at the judgment day when the Lord says, why weren't you respectful to your leaders? Well, because they were not worthy of respect. Because they were lost. Because they were wicked. No. God put them over us to teach us to respect God. Because if we don't respect the immediate authorities, God is above all authorities. And it's generally so when you find that someone is very loose and very disrespectful and slanderous of immediate authorities, you find that they're often similarly disrespectful toward God. So we need to exhibit honor. Well, we look at legal authorities, for instance. And it's an appropriate thing to address the judge sitting on the platform as your honor. Honor your father and your mother. Your honor. Or Mr. Supervisor. It's interesting at the town hall that they had an enormous amount of business to do because they had canceled the last one. And they actually apologized to me because it was such a long meeting. But every single item that someone would forward to be agreed upon, the clerk said... uh, Mrs. So-and-so, and she would, she would address the, the supervisor as Mr. Supervisor, Mr. Supervisor, Mr. Supervisor. I must have heard Mr. Supervisor about 50 times in the meeting. I mean, that's, that's just a, a protocol of respect. When, the, when the, the judge walks in the room, what do you hear? All rise. That's a, that's a, a gesture of respect. How should we address the officer? We hopefully he doesn't pull us over for speeding, but how should we address the officer? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was in Virginia after my father died. Or yes, ma'am. <laughs> Been there, done that. Said said the opposite. But we were in Virginia after my father died, and it was about midnight, and I was tired, and I thought that the red light was a blinking red light. And so I turned left on red. And 
the officer saw me and the lights went on and he did a U-turn and, and I tried to pull over very quickly. But I remember thinking, put your hands on, your, on the dashboard. Tanya, put your hands on the dashboard. I don't know if it helped or not, but we were as respectful as we could. I'm so sorry, sir. Uh, I thought it was a blinking light. Well, hope you enjoy your stay in Virginia. Fix the light in the back of your truck and have a nice night. That's, that's rare, but you know, you never know. Just, just by being respectful. I know a man that was caught speeding, and he was in the middle of the alphabet, and, and when he was in the courtroom, they started with A, and so he got to hear a lot of cases. And when his name was called and the judge said, Do you, are you guilty or not guilty of speeding? And he said, I'm guilty. What an what a, what a example of the gospel. You know what the judge said to the bailiff? Pay his fine. And the judge took his wallet out and gave the money to the bailiff and the bailiff paid the fine of the person that was caught speeding. It did help that the man who was caught speeding taught the judge Sunday school. But you know, it's the gospel that the Lord paid for our sins. The judge paid for we guilty sinners. It's the gospel. So we need to honor those in legal authority over us. And this, this touches a hot button, but we need to honor our political authorities. The Bible tells us in Exodus 22:28 not to revile or curse the ruler of your people. Brother and sister, you don't have to scroll very far on the Internet and, and see all kinds of reviling and cursing that's of our president. Yes, he's, he does not have a godly character, but he is the President of the United States of America. He is under God, our leader. He should be addressed as Mr. President. And if we're in a classroom or a lunchroom or an assembly meeting and, and our President or governess or supervisor walks in, we should stand to respect the office, to honor the king. You can remember in the 1980s, Senator Robert Patrick Moynihan, bow tie, some of you may have maybe remember him. He was, in, he was in a building in Lackawanna, full of people. But we stood when he walked in. But there was one person that disrespected him and you know, we felt like carrying this fellow out. And he was so kind, Mr. Moynihan. He looked over and he said, Can't you show any respect, sir? Doing the best I can. If he asks us to have a day of prayer, we should be obedient and have a day of prayer. We had a president that set aside a day for Thanksgiving. We should respect a Thanksgiving Day. If they set, they set the president for Juneteenth as a, as a holiday, the first holiday that we had, as a, it was encouraging for us because we got paid. It's strange to have a holiday three days before the end of the year. 
But the president signed into law that Juneteenth is a holiday. So we respect it. The ancient fathers, obviously. Leviticus 19.32 Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. And it's not saying there if it's not found in the way of righteousness it's not worthy of honor. The, the, the Hebrew reads the hoary head is a crown of glory and it's is to be supplied. I think the idea there is grayness is attainable in a righteous life. But it's not saying that every person that's gray is living a righteous life. But it's saying that every hoary head should be respected, should be greeted or thanked or the door open. Think of war veterans who should be thanked, thanked and saluted. To educational fathers we're to listen to our teachers and obey them and thank them and show respect. On the way out, many mornings on the bus as I dropped the kids off at the elementary school, I said, thank your teachers. I stopped saying, bring them an apple because you know it wasn't so kosher during the, the pandemic. But it's a thankless job, isn't it? And so it is in our homes. Domestic teachers, we find certainly we need to give them a good day's work. We've covenanted with our employers to give them a hard day's labor, to avoid slander in the break room. And though we're working something so insignificant, we're to do it with all of our heart. If whether it's tightening bolts, or like Jeff Bannister said, he. He was in the printing world and he said, if it's one of the most insignificant jobs. He said, most of, our, most of my printing was for junk mail. And he said, you know what, most of the, I, I knew that most of what my labor consisted of, and he said it this way, it lined bird cages. Or it lines the bottom of, of our trash bags in the kitchen but he did it for God's glory. Do we do everything for God's glory? And, and, and the Bible tells us, and even especially, it's interesting, I think it's Peter that says, if you have a Christian employer, don't relax your labor because he's a Christian. Matter of fact, step up your labor even more because he's a brother and he's being, he's being blessed. His livelihood is, is, is dependent on your labor. We are not to be men-pleasers, but we're to give strenuous efforts, even if it's to produce junk mail. Whatever we do, we do to honor the Lord and to show our, our love and our honor for our domestic fathers. Our spiritual fathers, the Bible tells us like three or four times in Hebrews 13, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls, that they might give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Three times, actually, verses 7, 17, and 24, 
Remember them that have the rule over you, whose faith follow and submit. Salute them that have the rule over you, He tells us at the end of the chapter. Jesus told His disciples, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. It's, it's, a, it's a responsibility of spiritual leaders to preach the whole counsel of God. Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God, God's entire will, all the doctrines of the Bible, not just the likable ones, but the unlikable ones. Not just the popular application, but the unpopular. I've got to say whatever the Bible says. And some of the things I say are not politically correct and not kosher. But one day we're all going to give account whether I preach the whole counsel of God and whether you and I obey the whole counsel of God and listen to the application of the Word of God. Do we have that judgment day mentality? And of course, the, the natural fathers and mothers that we touched upon last week, many of them may not have been living godly lives, but they were our fathers and mothers. They are our fathers and mothers. And Capital punishment was for those who smote or cursed their parents. Deuteronomy, Cursed is he that setteth light by his father and mother, or speaketh lightly of them is the idea. Has a, have, a, have a light respect. Not at all a respect. And they're to say, Amen. Those who lightly esteemed and despised their parents are going to give account to God and have a greater degree of punishment if they die without Christ. Solomon bowed to his mother when she came into the throne room. How do we greet our fathers and mothers? And obviously the greatest father of them all is our Heavenly Father. Do we honor Him? If I be a father, where is my honor? He said through Malachi. He's above all our fathers and mothers. He's holy and just and gracious and good. He disciplines us because He loves us. We honor Him. He is honorable. There's nothing sinful or dishonorable or disrespectful in our Heavenly Father. Do our hearts honor Him? Do we love Him? Do we obey Him? Not that we have selective obedience. Lord, whatever You tell me to do, I'll do it. Help me to have a heart that is willing as well as ready to do Your will. Remember, there's a promise attached that thy days may be long, and that the Lord thy God, that the Lord thy God giveth thee upon the land. Motivations in Ephesians six were great. God has given you salvation, so you have grace to honor and obey your authorities. You're to do it in the Lord. You're to do it because it's right. It's righteous, and you and I are to be righteous. This is right, He said, and it is because we should be grateful. Our fathers and mothers, ours, it says. Your father and mother. In other words, they're, they're ours. They're ours. They're blessed to us. We should be grateful. You say, what? Did, you know, there are some people that say, my father and mother beat me or did this. But they bore you. They fed you. Even the person with the, most, the wickedest parent can say, I came from them. I came from my mother and father. I'm here. Thank God that I'm here. And it was through them. Wellness. 
talk about wellness, that it might be well with you. What's the opposite? I don't want to find out. What is it to be unwell if we disrespect authority? What is it to be unwell? Is it physical? Is it health? Is it conscience? Is it providence that doesn't go our way? And longevity is certainly a motivation that thou mayest live long upon the earth. Will I always be well and will I live long if I honor parents? We all know that there's a long life that's of miserable existence. Heaping degrees of punishment the longer they live. What's the result of 91 years by Hugh Hefner, 90 years by Fidel Castro? There is a long life that's heaping greater rewards like Moses and Caleb and Aunt Anna and Simeon, John the Apostle, Polycarp. There's a short life that's cut off to spare the earth more wickedness. And I read you some of those numbers last week. But there's a short life that's like a flower that's picked before it wilts. James the Apostle may never have been married. Stephen himself as well. Young Abel, we're not told that he had a family. The first to die. Isabel Bonner bore a child and just a few days later she was in eternity. Our Savior was only 30 plus. McShane was 29 years old when the Lord took him home. His congregation wept like babies. And you remember last week, I, I gave us seven or eight ways in which we can obey our natural parents. Could I just quickly go over those, as I believe, ways we can observe these various fathers and mothers? They're to be obeyed. They're to be listened to. They are to be honored, which is certainly something that's developed after we begin to obey. You know, the little ones have a little pain to have obedience in their resume, but as they grow up, the fear of punishment hopefully is, is replaced by the, the awe, the, the, the fear of disappointing. We should honor, we should... We should fear. The Bible says you shall fear every man his father and mother. The word is respect or not dread them. There's even a point where we boast. Remember last week, children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children are their fathers. There's a kind of boasting that's respectful, that's appropriate for those that are in authority over us. There's an entreating Remember 1 Timothy 5, 1, and treat elderly people as fathers. There's a way we can disagree with our president, with our governess, with those that don't have godly characters, to plead with them and to pray for them, not to disrespect them and, and become vicious and hurtful. Even Jonathan, to his wicked father, Saul, pleaded with him to do right. We may have to disagree with a father or mother of whatever kind, whatever category, but we need to do so with love and with a heart that's 
burden for their souls. If we have to disagree and disobey because they have commanded us to do something unbiblical, it crosses God's commandments. I love you, I honor you, I obey you in all that you have taught me and told me and commanded me. But this is superseding the command of the Father that's above you and above all of us. And I respectfully disagree. I respectfully disobey. There's a supporting of our parents, remember. And it applies in, in every variety of father and mother. And then the last one was, we're responsible for the emotional state of those in authority over us. As Proverbs says, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. We need to be concerned about the emotional, the spiritual state of those in authority over us. Would we want our president to be converted? Or do we want him to be condemned? Do we want to see him in heaven or hell? And it applies to every leader. Well, I trust the Lord will help us all to see the application is so um, serious, and yet it's so vast. There are so many different kinds of fathers and mothers. May we facilitate their leadership as we pray for them to facilitate our obedience and our honor. Yes, we need to pray that those in authority over us will facilitate, make it easier for us to honor and obey. They're going to give account for that. But it's our responsibility in the fifth commandment to facilitate their leadership the best that we can. Right? The best that we can. That's being like the Lord Jesus. Who we remember was being about His Father's business and when his mother castigated him, he, he gently rebuked her. He respectfully rebuked her and said, I must be about my father's business. But it says he went and subjected himself to their authority. May we follow our Lord Jesus in this way.